0: they enjoy uh the game um pastor garrett would you mind coming come and pray him for us here this is garrett weeks he's uh youth pastor at uh, nitro nazarene this is i think this is an incredible thing this again this is garrett weeks and his dad steve and i played ball together growing up little league and senior league and all that and now here it is that uh, my son matthew and steve's son garrett are friends i think that's pretty cool but uh you just pray over the offering and uh, just whatever the Lord puts on your heart. Thanks for coming.
1: Lord, I thank you for this day giving us. Thank you, we can just be here in your house today, Lord. Or for everything that you've done for us in our lives so far and what you're gonna to continue to do, Lord. Lord, I pray you just bless this offering that's being taken up for, Father, Lord. I know a lot of people like. They hear about offerings, and they just think it's just another thing that's done in church, Lord, but it's also a form of worship, Lord. We're giving our sacrifice of our money to you, Father, Lord. Let it just be used for kingdom purposes, Lord. Let it not go in vain. Let us know that you are using it how you intend to use it, Father, Lord. And I pray, pray you just bless this service, Lord, that hearts are just filled, Lord, hearts are ready to hear what you have to say, Lord, Lord, that you are just here in this place and we're ready to hear you. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. He said, no, it's my turn. <laughs> uh, well, good morning. And I really didn't, wasn't going to say anything, but you know, this is how God works. Because, and I say that, I think, every Sunday because I struggle. So just pray for me. But um, the song, every time I was like, God, you're so good how you work that out. And I remember when we were going listen, we would go hear some of our mentors and we would go into their churches. And you always think our worship leaders are the best. When you hear certain songs that were, they sing, it's like, oh, well, there was that one song, and I thought, I don't think I like that. What well, was because of the version I was hearing of it. Well, then I heard it on the radio at work, and I thought, oh, that is a good song. I want to tell Jamie we probably need to play, and then you sung it, and I didn't even say anything, and it's because Angie had to sing it, right. Honey in the Rock, <laughs> and Frank, I'm sorry, <laughs> and everybody else, but... Um, any, yeah, I'm a little privy to Angie. So anyway, so I thought, well, that goes along with what you were dropping into my spirit anyway to say, because everything you need, I've got, right? Yeah, everything we need, we have, because it's in him. And I didn't get to change the board, but I, I have it tattooed on my wrist. And, and it's first, well, it's not first time, it's John 1, 16, and of his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Well, I focused on the grace upon grace part. And obviously, um, but I won't get in that because we, we, we all know, you know what grace means. And, uh, but of his fullness is where I want to go. And it's that word. And so I'm going to have to get my whole sleeve now. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but of his fullness, we have all received. And fullness in the Greek means Rome. Are you going to go here? Um, well, I'll, I'll just be really quick. I can never make a long story short. But I can make a short story long. <laughs> you have said that before. <laughs> yeah. And uh, anywho, so a uh, playroom is a past tense word, and in ancient Greek writings, it was used in past tense words. And when I say Greek words, it's because there are eight verb tenses in the Greek, and when in English, we only have one. So it's past tense, and um, it was used in ancient Greek writings as like an analogy of a ship. So you know, of his fullness we have all received. And so it's like a ship that's already been filled with all the freight, all the merchandise, all the equipment, all the rowers, all the soldiers, everything on that ship when it was used like that. And so Jesus was full of grace and truth and of his fullness we have all received. So if 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 Jesus was full of all of that freight, merchandise, sailor, everything maxed out to everything and we have received that, then we have everything pertaining to what he has received. And sometimes when we're in this walk and this journey, think people can put things on you that we can forget what is in us. And so if we forget what is in us, we don't know how to apply through grace what is in us to receive that fullness and abundance all that freight and it's not by okay well if I do this then he will do that no it's by grace so of his for you know, of his fullness we have all received and grace for grace and just just a few other places that it was used Mark 8 when the baskets uh, when he had the fragments full of the baskets they were full of that same word it was maxed out when he fed the 5,000 those fragments I mean it was like how did that happen? Well, how does it happen that we continually have things in us is because it's we are full of his fullness. In Romans three ten, love works no ill will to his neighbor. Love is the fulfilling of the law. So love completely fulfilled. It's never ending. So when we learn to love our neighbor, we are we are full of fulfilling and has fulfilling that law of love right and this one is another good one because I like Colossians 2 9 this is the end in Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form in Christ dwells all the fullness so of his player <laughs> so everything on the ship of God is found in the bodily form of Christ and he is the captain of our salvation, so that's why he uses that in Hebrew, so I mean you can't get out of how it all ties together, and how all these words mean the same thing, it's like if we can just remember and awaken to that, because if we think we have to do something, then that means there's a separation, there's nothing wrong with being hungry, there's nothing wrong with being thirsty, but it's our awareness of more knowledge that we want to be filled with in our mind, renewing in the change of our mind, And so, I just wanted to get you to understand what fullness, it's already done, it's to the max, it's what he has, we have. Everything we need, we have, right? So, anyway, I just wanted to tell you that.
0: (laughs) Can we all stand for dismissal prayer? (laughs) Since she just preached my message. No, it's good because we haven't really talked a whole lot about what I was going to preach on this morning. She loves that scripture, yeah, and... uh, That's kind of what launched me into studying it uh, a little. But um, thank you. It was a good introduction, and I probably will repeat things. But I came to the pulpit this morning with this uh, cup, Uh, West Virginia. I was in Oklahoma last weekend. I have gone over the past 13 years. I've been to Oklahoma seven times to watch the blue and gold play against Oklahoma State and came away with no wins until this year when I sat in four hours of rain uh, and we did pull out a victory, and the pastor there in Oklahoma, literally, he told when I told him I was coming, and if he wanted to use me, I'd be glad to share with the congregation there, as I've done in the past, and he said, only if West Virginia wins. <laughs> so I walked in with my West Virginia sweatshirt on and my West Virginia cup, and I proudly uh, represented the blue and gold, but more importantly, Jesus, and we had a wonderful service last Sunday at New Life Ministries in uh, oilton oklahoma as the lord had me sharing on um what did i share on that's about like you all when you leave my messages you know, <laughs> remember what i preached uh control issues and it was an unusual message that the lord had given me um but many were helped and we got to minister to several and just very encouraging would you pray with me uh for my dear friend jonathan from oklahoma Uh, His dad is uh, in ICU, Uh, he had uh, a heart valve infection that's called sepsis, he's got pneumonia, Uh, he's just not doing well, matter of fact, the doctors have told him they don't think he's going to pull through, Um, but I know a great physician, come on somebody, Uh, and we pray that his will be done in Virgil's life, and also Darius sits right up here on Sundays a lot when he's not working and one of, it's his niece, Sierra Hartwell, uh, tends committed with a lot of guys that are here this morning, it's uh, her grandpa, Darris's father, had a heart attack, um, and they broke 13 ribs doing CPR uh, on him yesterday, he's in uh, bad shape at St. Mary's, uh, if you would remember him in prayer, I know they would appreciate that, and We're not begging and pleading God in these situations, we're just declaring and decreeing that by the stripes that were beaten into His back, we confess healing over them this morning, amen? Amen. And any situation that you're dealing with, mentally, physically, emotionally, God has provided healing for that, and we will declare that with you as well. Hey, i got a question for you this morning. How many of you have ever ran out of gas and found yourself with an empty tank on the side of the road? Uh, Robin is honest this morning. I'll be very honest. I have done that more than once. Good. I'm not alone. There's many people in the building today and probably watching online that at one point or another, if you've been driving very long, you haven't paid attention to the gas tank, it went empty and you uh, quit pointing, Robin. Uh, Well, good. That's a good way to start it. (laughs) But, before I lose the crowd, uh, the world will leave you feeling empty sometimes. You'll find yourself stuck on the highway of life with an empty tank. But then, even in religious settings, a lot of times, it's the goal to fill your tank back up lies within the tireless work that you perform. Not talking to anybody this morning, and then you come on a Sunday morning with an empty tank, and then all you get is a bunch of work and rules that you have to follow to fill that tank back up. To be in, man, I feel like that Sundays when we gather together, it should be so energetic. <laughs> the it's a steroid shot of the Holy Ghost, it's a dose of the ghost that I can get used to get me through the week. Listening to his voice, it's being, you know, that uh, uh, that power drink, that sh- uh, energy drink that you drink that gives you a little jolt uh, to get you through the week. And that's what Sunday morning we, we come, we encourage one another, we build one another up, we bear one another's burdens, we hear some worship that Pastor Frank and Angie, are, the team are leading us in, and I believe the more that we participate in that, the more we'll get out of that, and then hopefully... By God's grace, something that Lisa shares and that I share, or whoever scheduled that day will pump you up and get you ready. Now, listen, I know my style of teaching doesn't lean towards people getting up and running around the building and shouting and hollering. Sometimes it might, but most of the time, I really, if all I'm doing is shouting and hollering to get you to shout and hollering, there's no content in it, we're going to walk away empty. We're going to walk away empty with our tanks empty, stuck on life's highway, and then wearing ourselves out and exhausting ourselves, draining our tank. But listen, I have found out that the only way to fill the hole in the tank that's causing you to be drained and empty is to have a revelation that Jesus in, the full, in His fullness has already given to us Everyth- I love that song, everything I need you are. And not only everything that I need you are, everything that I, that pertains to this life and to godliness is already a gift that's been bestowed upon us. Amen. So let's grab the scripture, get your smart devices or your um, Bibles if you have the leafy kind that makes noise when you turn the pages Uh, Get those out and let's turn to John's gospel. This is the Christmas season. This is an unusual Christmas series, but I think it's pertinent of his fullness is where we're going this month. And uh, Matthew's gospel, Mark's gospel, Luke's gospel all start out with the Christmas story and unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given and the shepherds and the angels and the wise dudes and all that type of stuff. And that's great, and I believe in all of it. I love the nativities, I love the lights, but John, man, the way he pins the Christmas story is unusual, but I love it. Let's look at it. The first chapter, the first verse. In the beginning was the word, underline the word word. <laughs> Should be capitalized in your Bibles because this Greek word is the word logos. The Greek word logos, it means any kind of communication. It could be translated message. In the beginning was the message. Uh, here, specifically in John 1.1, John is using it to mean Christ. Because Christ was and is the way that God tells people about himself. You want to know about the Father? Look at Jesus. Jesus says in this chapter, if you keep reading, no man's seen the Father, but if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, because I only do what the Father tells me to do, I only say what the Father tells me to say, and because we have the full gospel, we can jump in to the epistles and see that Paul will tell us in the book of Colossians that Jesus Christ is the exact representation. Of the invisible father. In other words. Here's a clear picture. Of the way God wants to communicate himself to you. Look at Jesus. And in the beginning. Was the word. The word. This message. Christ himself. Was with God. In the beginning. So if you want to go back to Genesis. Where it all starts. And it starts out with what? In the beginning. So John is referring to. That Christ has always existed and he will always exist. He was before time and space. He was a co-creator with God, seated with God and in God. And that word that was God. Then he jumps down to verse 14. He said, and that word that was in the beginning that co-existed with God, co-created with God and is outside of time and space, stepped into time and space and became flesh. And that's shouting material, that's good news because without the God who was above time and in time, steps into time, we don't have salvation. We don't have any hope. We're still men most miserable trying to earn our way to God through works. But he became flesh and he dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father. Here it is, full of what? Grace and truth. Would you make a side note in your Bible, mentally or on your phone? Grace cannot be separated from truth. Truth cannot be separated from grace. I hope to, uh, to give this picture to you this morning. And then verses 16 and 17. And of His fullness, the fullness of His grace and truth, we have, how many of us have received? How many does all leave out? So, everyone has received grace from his fullness. Yeah, because some just haven't realized it and placed their faith in it, and others have been awakened to it and are experiencing the benefits of it. You're a son. You were created in Christ, you were not created in Adam. Adam died, he no longer lives. You are not in the likeness of Adam. We're in the image of Adam. You are in the image and the likeness of Christ. I'm not telling you that you already have obtained when you believe, you receive. But all have been given grace and truth. I believe that some of the time it is our job, not just those who stand behind the pulpit, our job as the body of Christ to help bring people to a recognition and revelation unveiling Christ and what they can have when they believe. The ministry of reconciliation. And of his fullness we've all received grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So I've said that our series this month is of his fullness. This morning our title is grace and truth. If I was going to give it a subtitle, I would tell you that Jesus is full of it. Well, that didn't go over the way that I thought it would, but Jesus is full of it. (laughs) My my intent, our intent, our desire is that this Christmas, the full reality of all that he has given to you will fill you up and continue to propel you into a daily recognition and realization of how much you already have. And then that empty feeling will no longer captivate or dominate your life. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you for Christ, his incarnation, his coming, that he has continued to come and will continue to appear. And in his appearing, that he will reveal to us how good you are and that from that fullness of grace and truth, we'll recognize what we have, and we'll walk in it, and the domination over our lives that keeps causing us to feel empty uh, will be defeated, because it is already defeated through the blood in Jesus' name. Thank you for that, amen. And all of God's people agreed and said, so what was Jesus full of? Let us, yeah, he was full of grace and truth, you're listening, thank you. But he was full of a lot of other things. Luke, the fourth chapter, verse number one, tells us that Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. And because as a man, see the word incarnation, when he became flesh, that's the Greek word or Latin word incarnation that literally means to become flesh or to put on a human suit. So God stepped out of time and eternity and he stepped into the earth and in the earth he was recognized as Christ the Messiah the only begotten son of God full of the God as Lisa said but as a man he had to be filled with the Holy Spirit because that was an example of how we were going to live this life how we were going to walk through this life because without the Spirit and then Jesus returning to the Father we had no power to walk in the grace and truth that he was giving us So Jesus recognized and himself was full of the Spirit. Look what the Spirit did for him. The same thing that those of us who are full of the Spirit have, what did he do? He led him. He led him into the wilderness. Us as believers, full of the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that filled Jesus when he walked the planet, will lead you and guide you. Thank the Lord for the Holy Spirit, the paraclete who is in us and leads and guides us and is to us in the new covenant what the law was to those in the old covenant. The law hemmed them in, kept them protected and gave them guidance. It was more of a driving force than a guiding force. But the benefit that we have is an indwelling Holy Spirit that will never leave us nor forsake us who is out in front of us guiding us so that we will miss the pitfalls and the traps and the consequences of all of our sin and wrongdoing if we will yield to the voice of the Spirit. Scripture suggests that he was full of wisdom and he grew in that wisdom and stature. Colossians the second chapter as Lisa mentioned verse 9 says that all the fullness of the Godhead Father, Son, and Spirit dwelt in him bodily. So in his bodily form as a man if you cut him he would bleed. We see that in scripture do we not? I believe that He, if he wore pants he put them on the way that I did and if he went to the restroom as a man he went to the restroom the way that I do. TMI but that's just the truth. He was a man, but in that bodily form of man, all of the Godhead dwelt within him. That's how he could know what Sadducees and Pharisees and keepers of the law were thinking before they ever said anything. That's how he could know uh, what people were going through and dealing with them and having compassion on them, he could heal them. Why? Because all of the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in him bodily and at the end of his earthly ministry before he ascends and he stands on the Mount of Olives he says all of the power that has been given to me both in heaven and on earth I now give to you how much of it did he have? so how much does the enemy have? none of it you let a powerless devil defeat you because the battle is between the ears and it's the way we think that defeats us Then the scripture says in our text this morning, John 1, 14, that Jesus was full of grace and truth. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and he was full of grace and truth. Lisa gave a greater definition that really uh, amplifies my sermon this morning. Look at the word full. Let's look at it on the screen together. We should have a definition for the word full. Plerus, It means abounding in. It means completely occupied with, uh, it's completely occupied with as opposed to empty. In other words, it's the complete em- uh, opposite of empty. It's full. Um, is that visible? Sorry. My text font d- looks different on this screen than it did on my computer. It may have something to do with the 53 year old eyes looking at a p- computer screen. Um, but these are two there are two approaches when we look at the grace of God, and I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's go back and look at fullness. I got caught up in not being able to see the screen. Completely occupied with as opposed to being empty. And what is he full of? Because Lisa's definition was better than mine in that. He was full of grace, that's Kairos, kindness, favor. It's God leaning towards and freely extending himself, reaching towards mankind and inclining to be near them. That's grace. That's Kairos. Now, watch this real carefully. Grace is unilateral. Jowls would understand this. Someone else in the medical field uh, might understand this. If they say that something is unilateral in the medical field, it's just on one side. It's not both sides, it's just one side. So when it comes to the grace of God, grace is seen in the Old Covenant. God had grace. He showed favor and kindness towards the children of Israel based on different terms and conditions, but it was not unilateral. It was, if you do this, I will do this, but if you don't do this, then I'm going to do this. And the covenant was two-sided. But the grace of the new covenant, the grace of Christ that he was full of is unilateral in the sense that when he came, he came not to make a covenant with man, he came to make a covenant with himself. Hebrews says that God being great made an oath with himself. He didn't make a covenant with you, he made a so that what that does, unilateral grace means that you have nothing to do with the covenant. You can't walk away from his grace. Help us, Jesus. It means God got involved in solving the sin situation without the agreement or the arrangement of another party. I didn't say that you don't sin, that I don't sin. I said that when it came to the sin problem, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. We could get into a whole long discussion on that one word right there, but he took away the punishment of that sin, and now that when you receive it, you've received eternal life, and you walk in his grace, you can't walk out of it. If you fall, you don't fall out of grace, you fall into grace, and I made a post this past week that said, Jesus did not come proclaiming freedom to sin, he came proclaiming freedom from sin. You have been set free from the law of sin and death. That shout material. That is something that you can stand up and clap your hands about and thank God about because you weren't involved in doing that. I wasn't involved in doing that. It's unilateral. Jesus was was and is full of grace to the point that it embodies him. He is grace. This word grace here, kairos, is a noun. It's not a verb. It's not an action. It's a person truth, aletheia, it's reality. It's the opposite of illusion. Universally, it's what is true in any matter regardless of the circumstances and the situation. So the situation and circumstance that Gary finds himself in may be completely different from the circumstances and situations that Brett finds himself in but the reality of that in either one of those situations God, Jesus, he's truth. It doesn't change. Somebody hold the mules. There's no falsehood in it. There's no deceit in it. That's why you find Jesus saying things like this truly, truly I say unto you. Why? Because he's truth. And what his words were speaking were truth. I can't wait to give you an example here in just a moment. Now I love how John starts the story of Christmas in the gospel that he pins with the concept of Christ's fullness and then how he's developing that thought here that of that fullness we all have received making it a gift that has been given to us. Let's look at John 1.16 staying in the first chapter of the book of John. And he says, for or and of his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. Listen how the New Century Version pins that. It says, because he was full of grace and truth, from him we have all received one gift after another. But I really like the Amplified. If we can find it in the Amplified, I will correct the, the font on the screen for next week. Uh, This just means you have to go back and review the message and look the scriptures up on your own and that'll be good work for you to do this week. For out of His fullness, that's the superabundance of His grace and truth, we have all received grace upon grace, spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, favor upon favor, gift heaped upon gift. I like that. So there's one scholar that says that There are two approaches. This this grace upon grace can be seen in two different ways. I want to give those to you and help you see where different commentators would be coming from. But then at the end of that, I want to say something about both of them because I don't believe that in uh, the church it has to be either or. Why does it have to be either or? I like always answering D, all the above on my tests. First one is, it's accumulation. That's an approach that most modern commentators take. That Greek word for the preposition upon is anti, and it's as meaning in addition to. So you got this gift, but you're going to keep accumulating the gifts and the graces and the benefits and the favor of God. That's absolutely true. That's absolutely what I believe that John was saying when he said grace upon grace. But the earlier Greek fathers saw it as replacement. And here's how they saw it they took the preposition anti with its common meaning, meaning in place of. In accordance with the context of verse 17, because 16 says grace upon grace, but verse 17 says that the law came through Moses, but grace and truth through Jesus. And so this verse above it, grace upon grace, in context with 17, these ancient Greek fathers said that it was the grace of the Old Testament being replaced with the grace of the New Testament that is seen in Christ Jesus. We know that the children of Israel, the Israelites, had the favor of God. They were the apple of His eye. He made a covenant with them. But He replaced that And he brought the Gentiles into that and he tore down the middle wall of petition that separated Jews from the Gentiles and then he said all have received. So the grace of God is just not a covenant that he made with one people. It's a covenant that he's made with all people if they'll step into it and accept it. So it's not just replacement. It is also accumulation. Praise God. Paul said it this way in Romans 6.14 For sin shall not have dominion over you for you are not under law you're not under the covenant that God made with Israel you are under grace a covenant that he made with himself. The grace, the favor of God to the people of Israel was not unilateral. It wasn't a gift. It's something they worked for and had to earn. The grace of the old covenant came through a servant but the grace of the new covenant came through a son. Jesus was equally full of grace and truth and of the fullness he has given to all grace heaped upon grace, gift heaped upon gift, blessing after blessing. That's the new covenant. That's what we walk in and enjoy. The clock on the back wall still isn't fixed. So right now it is only 10.01. And I get to preach to at least 11.30. Jesus showed us that truth cannot be dispensed without grace. A lot of people... They see the truth, the fact in a situation, but they have no grace in trying to per, you know, help people in that truth. The truth may be that I'm addicted to sugar. Okay, But Lisa shows me grace when she says, do you really need that piece of pie? The answer is yes, I do need it, but should I have it? Will it do good for my... The grace that is dispensed, she's not trying to hound on me to just beat me up and tell me that I don't need that. She knows the situations going on in my life, and so as she dispenses grace in telling me that truth, that will have benefits for me in longevity. So when truth is seen, and see this, Holy Ghost, there are things going on in people's lives that we must address I'm not going to stand up here and name 92 different things that are sin and none of you are going through any of those things I'll just say it the way it is most people want you to preach on the big three they want you to preach on adultery, murder and homosexuality and they want you to beat up everybody that are involved in those situations So those things might be truth about certain people, but grace is dispensed when I can go to the individual. We can have communication in a situation and we can dispense grace, mercy, love, truth, and everything that we're ministering to them is to reconcile them back to the grace of God that has already been bestowed upon their life. But when I stand up here and I pound the pulpit and I scream and I holler at them and I concentrate and focus in on their sin, that that could be truth. But there's no grace dispensed. So Jesus showed us that truth can't be dispensed without grace and that grace cannot be offered without truth. You can't separate grace and truth. Grace and truth are not in competition with each other. I'll say that again and I'm going to say it loud so you can hear it in the back. Grace and truth are not in competition with one another. There's no such thing as graceless truth or truthless grace. Both are necessary. Both are necessary for transformation. Let me say it. This came from a conversation that Lisa and I had via text. You all are getting involved in the text messages that Lisa and I send to each other. Because the last time I preached here, we talked about one of the text messages. that, Because if I'm at work and she's going through some study or thinking and God's dealing with her, it's just going to be that long on a text message. But you're only getting this. You can't have God and not Christ. You can't have Christ and no God. You can't have the Holy Spirit without Jesus and no Jesus without God. All three are one and we are one with Him. You can't leave Christianity because you would be saying you were leaving Christ. But Christ won't leave you. You can walk away from religion, but you can't walk away from Christ because He is with you always. In other words... You can't leave his grace and his truth will always be hunting you down. And That's not a bad thing. Maybe this is a picture of how grace and truth cooperate and they're not in competition because truth exposes reality. And a lot of times we don't want our reality to be exposed, do we? We don't want our sins to be portrayed on the screen on Sunday morning I'm not volunteering but grace heals every one of those painful realities in our life so why would I want truth with no grace or grace without any truth well you can't they're inseparable and I'll finish with this go to your Bibles in John the 8th chapter tremendous example of the grace and truth. Now, just because I said I'll finish with this doesn't mean that it's going to be five minutes. It's 10.01, that's right. I'm just trying to teach you a little bit. John the 8th chapter, if you would read verses 1 through 9, you'll find a very familiar story of the woman caught in adultery. You remember that? That the Pharisees catch this woman... It's amazing to me that they knew where she was and what time she would be committing adultery and with whom that she would be committing it. And matter of fact, they don't even bring him in when the scripture of the law says that he should have been brought in too. But nonetheless, here's the story of the woman caught in the act of adultery and the law said that she should be what? Killed, put to death. She was guilty. I mean, they caught her. She, guilty as charged. But when asked by the religious leaders and the Pharisees if she should be put to death, in fact, Jesus didn't answer the question. I like that about Jesus. I like that a lot about Jesus that he doesn't answer questions, he poses more questions. He didn't let them dictate the agenda of the conversation. There are too many times that we are allowing the enemy to dictate the agenda of the conversation. He decided what they were going to talk about and what they would focus on. And look at this, he didn't focus on her sin. Matter of fact, he didn't even focus on the law. He focused on her. Oh, I felt that. His attention and his focus will always be on you and what what is best for you. God's heart towards you, the Father's heart and intentions towards you are always good, never to harm you, but always to give you hope in the future. Always. He decided that they wouldn't reflect on her sin or the law that would condemn her. It would be His grace and His truth that He focused on and used here. Listen, truth was they were after Jesus. The Pharisees and the Sadducees were out to get Jesus. They weren't really concerned that this woman had committed adultery. They really weren't even concerned about that the law said that she was supposed to be stoned. The scripture will tell you in John the 8th chapter they came to trap Jesus. But Jesus will not allow you and he didn't allow this woman to become a casualty of religious systems and organizations. I'm going to say that again too. Jesus won't allow you to be a casualty in a religious organization or system. He wants you to walk away from religion, but you can never walk away from him. Truth causes us to deal with things as they are, not as someone else is trying to make them be. told you Gary's situation is different from Brett's situation. And if I come to them and I'm helping deal with this situation... Truth will want to bring to light the reality of what's going on. They may make, try to make it about something else, but God will bring truth in to expose, not for that exposure to be condemnation, that, but so that coupled with truth, grace can come along and bring healing to that situation. Because in the Message Bible, in Romans, the fourth chapter, what only the law could do is putting a band-aid on the wound Grace brings a deep inner healing. Why? Because it deals with the heart. So truth comes along and helps us to deal with things as they are. Then grace allows us to deal with it without condemnation. And bring the kindness, the love, the favor, and the blessing of God into the reality of the situation. The truth may be that you are broke, busted, and disgusted with your life but grace says here's love compassion forgiveness healing favor and the blessing of God even in the middle of your brokenness bustedness and disgustedness somebody's laughing but man I've dealt with enough disgustedness in my own life and other people's lives that it's truth so come on up Frank and Grace gives us the capacity to take in truth. When grace is truly experienced, listen to me, when grace is truly experienced, the burden is lifted, the relief comes, uh, the oppression is eradicated from your lives, and then we begin to walk in the direction of grace, and truth leads us in that direction. Last scripture, Titus the second chapter, verses 11 and 12. For the grace of God brought salvation and has appeared, here's this word again, to how many men? That grace didn't show up and just say, here's salvation. That grace began to teach us and is still teaching us how to deny ungodliness all of the worldly lust and how to live soberly, righteously, and godly when in this present age, right now. And we all know how things in this world have caused us to be empty along the highway of life in this journey. And the only way that we can plug the hole so that we stay full is to come to the revelation. Of His fullness. And that of His fullness that never runs out. It's an unlimited resource. There is grace and truth that He is supplying to us. Grace will alter our hearts. And truth enables us to clearly see God's path. Let's go ahead and stand together this morning. So I, I believe, folks, that Grace and truth are working in tandem in your life. And as a person experience as a person experiences more and more grace, they, they desire more and more truth. And as we learn more and more truth, we receive more and more grace. We should never feel ashamed, guilty, condemned, when it comes to the reality of the truth of what we are facing in our lives what we're dealing with whether it's addiction, relationship issues we could just name all types of things we should never be ashamed in those but what the enemy will fight us with in our minds is just what he fought Adam and Eve with They be, we believe that it separates us from God in our minds and so we run oh God can't look at sin. He's too holy. Show me that in the scripture. Where he says he can't look on sin because he's too holy. And we, we, we use a scripture out of context that he turned his back on Jesus at the cross because all of the sin was of, of the world was upon him. But listen, if God separated himself from Jesus, that means the Trinity got busted up. I don't believe that happened. They've never been separated from one another. He didn't turn his back on Jesus at the cross Jesus is quoting from Psalm 22 so that the Pharisees will recognize that he is the Messiah go read Psalm 22 and you'll find out that everything that transpired at the cross just points to the proof that Jesus was the Messiah and all of these Jews would have recognized this at the cross especially the Pharisees and the Sadducees that knew the law God doesn't turn his back on you because you're in some kind of mess Matter of fact, from the beginning, he came looking for, for Adam and Eve when they sinned, and he said, Adam, where art thou? And then he provided what Adam needed, and that's still the same today. He doesn't turn his back on you. You can't run away from his grace. So quit trying to run from truth, because truth... Is the reality there's no deceit in him. He wants to bring those things to light so that you can experience his grace, his love, his forgiveness, his mercy, his undying and unwavering love for you. So maybe you're here this morning, maybe you're watching online. There's even folks watching from Pakistan this morning uh, on our live feed here. And maybe you're you're hearing this gospel for the first time, this good news you've tried to run for years from the truth of your situation but the reality is he wants you to stay right there in it so he can heal you in it just like he did for the woman caught in adultery he showed compassion on her and he said woman where are are your accusers neither do I condemn you he's not condemning you he's full of grace and truth, Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment and let the Holy Spirit in reality reveal to you in your life where you need Him as He does, would you surrender maybe that surrender looks like you walking down this aisle and kneeling at the altar and just beginning to thank God for His grace and truth in your life maybe it's just standing there and relishing in his love as it overwhelms you my son just said to me that we should never feel ashamed or guilty for anything we face in life that's the enemy's tactic when we share the truth that of what we are going through and accompanying it with the gospel we experience freedom the truth when you know it sets you free and He is truth. So maybe this morning, the first for the first time ever, you're going to surrender and say, "Lord, I believe." And when you do that, you accept all the benefits of what He did for you at Calvary. They're already yours. You're just stepping into them. Or maybe you've been feeling condemned and empty, having guilt and shame in your life. Talked to a young man yesterday that. He says, uh, "Just shame just continues to overwhelm me that's not from God allow the grace of God his freedom, his love, his favor his love towards you just wash you afresh and anew and say Lord I believe help my unbelief let's just lift our hands and receive from the Lord right now let the Holy Spirit you shut Let the Holy Spirit just begin to flow.